Leicester calling for it. James can only fist it. It comes for Cantona! I don't believe it! Well left by York, fed by Cole. Back to Andy Cole for Dwight York. Fantastic goal for Manchester United. Can Manchester United score? They always score. Gates with a shot! Welcome to our Devil Talk, an independent Manchester United podcast. This is episode 34, and tonight, as usual, I'm in good company. I'm joined by my friend Keen Franey, of course, the host of the weekly Armchair Kickoff podcast. How are we doing, Keen? Thanks for taking the time. I'm very good, Jimmy. How are you? And, and Doug, thanks very much for asking me to come on the podcast. I'm a regular listener of this show, and I really enjoy it, so it's an absolute honour to be on today. No problem. A pleasure. I'm also joined by Dylan Donnelly, who writes for his own blog, United All Day. He contributes to my own blog, Red Devil Talk. I'm a fan of his writing, so it's great to have him on the show. Dylan, thanks for taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Big fan of this podcast now and uh, excited to work and contribute alongside yourself and uh, the excellent Keane. Three weeks ago, Manchester United were out of the Champions League after defeat in Germany against Leipzig. There were serious question marks over Solskjaer's position as United manager. Not for myself, I have to say. For the record, I've always been very clear on that but I'm sure we'll have a chat about that later on in the podcast. Since then, victories against Sheffield United, Leeds, Everton in the Cup. United are now being touted as title contenders. There's been a lot of optimism from fans, which brings us, of course, to Stevens Day. Leicester 2, United 2. I think generally, you would have to say that a point away to Leicester, who for a number of years now have performed at a consistently high level, generally, it wouldn't be a total disaster to get a point there, I don't think. However, in my view at least, it feels like a missed opportunity. I think there was a chance to go ahead of Leicester. United went ahead twice. Rashford missed two chances. There was a header early on. He must score that one. I mean, I don't know how he doesn't score that one. He has the one-on-one. Okay, a more difficult chance. A really good save by Kasper Schmeichel. Damien Hickey sent a comment in on the Instagram page. He said, United left behind... They switched off for the second goal. I agree. I think it comes down to game management. To get ahead with 10 minutes to go, I think United missed an opportunity to make a really big statement. Dylan, I'm going to come to you first with this one. What was your reaction to yesterday's result? Yeah, I think you perfectly sum- summarised it there, Jimmy. I think, uh, I think myself and Keenan probably agree with you. I think it's probably the first proper test that this United side have had. Um, in the last maybe four to six weeks, I know we've been excellent away from home, so I was expecting us to uh, pick up our seventh win in a row. Probably, I think it was our, we're just in the Premier League record, I think it was our 12th successive Premier League away win, it would have been. Um, I don't know, I don't think we ever really got going, I just think it was one of those typical cagey away games. Um, I think uh, I think Wan-Bissaka being injured and having to pick play Lindelof uh, as a right-back um, I think that did cause some problems. Uh, Toon Zabi was injured. I know he's co- after recovering from a long injury and Sushkar's facing him. And I, I, you can see that he's an excellent prospect. At, you know, that performance in PSG you know, shows what he is capable of. But I think Sushkar has been very smart the way he is facing him. In. And uh, I think even though you could see that Lindelof was shaky early on, I think he quite grew into the game until he went off. But I think he picked up a back injury that he has been struggling with. I think Leicester were there for the taking. 
but I think that on the grand scale of things, I think it is a decent result. Um, you know, Arsenal beating Chelsea yesterday, you know, that was actually a very good result for us. Um, Tottenham and Wolves were playing this evening. If I'd love a draw in that game. Um, Villa picked up uh, another impressive win yesterday. They're flying. Um, it's just a weird season. You know, it's really weird. I think Liverpool are flexing their muscles now. Liverpool have a, a lot of favourable games before we play them on the 17th of January. And I believe, I think Liverpool don't even have a challenger. I think, as, as Roy Keane stated, I think we could be potentially the best of the rest. I think if we manage to win on Tuesday against Wolves, on Friday against Villa at home, both games that we need to win because we need to turn our form at home around because it's not been good enough to be touted as title credentials. Uh, or contenders. I think if we win them two games going into the, the Liverpool game, I think we could definitely be challenging for the top two or the top three. And uh, if we won a trophy, I think that could be deemed a very successful season for Solskjaer. I have to agree with that. I think, you know, I'm not convinced they are title contenders. I think, uh, no. I think, I think that talk is a bit premature. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely premature. You know, we, we've, we're, you know, that's us romanticising, you know what I mean? We're, we are romanticising and for the first time since Sir Alex left, we actually have a manager that we like and that we bought into this group of players because, you know, we've got he's got rid of the bad apples. You know, used to, no, I'm not a massive fan of Solskjaer. I, I'm starting to turn, but basic in-game management decisions that he still is getting wrong, but, you know, he is alleviating some of that. And, you know, the, the the last minute winners, you know, going away from home and, you know, just letting the players express themselves and, you know, you score two, we score four. That, you know, that lazy night game last week, that was just bonkers. That's probably my, probably my the most, probably my favourite United game since the Roma drubbing, you know, the 7-0 game in the Champions League. That just, you know, the first two or three minutes, you can see the players were up for, considering we spanked them because they are leads and, you know, they are, yeah, rivals to Man United for some strange reason. Probably because we took King King Eric off them back in the nineties. But I think um, I think that result yesterday was a positive uh, long term. But I can understand why some fans would be upset because we could have put down a stampner to the rest of the their chasing pack. Keen, as Dylan touched on there, Solskjaer is still making mistakes. Charlie on Instagram says it should have been three points. We missed a chance, but one point is better than none. Do you think, Keane, that it's a sign of the progress that United have made that we are frustrated with a point away to Leicester? When you consider some of the shocking performances we witnessed in the last seven years, when you consider the level at which Brendan Rodgers has had Leicester performing at for a number of years, does it suggest that this team is beginning to create a winning mindset? Yeah, like I think you, you look back at yesterday's game and we create so many chances and we were, we, were, we were playing on the front foot yesterday. And for for United, I think in the last seven years, to go away from home, it was always kind of a sit back, park the bus and counter attack. But you've you seen yesterday, we took we took the initiative today, we, yesterday, we, we create a lot of chances. Like historically, if you were talking last season and you said we go to the King Power and we get a point, when on the last day of the season, that would have got us top four and we would have been delighted. But, but you look at this year, it's it's a contrast. Like we're, we're looking we're looking above, we're looking at Liverpool, we're wanting to close the gap, especially with the game in hand. And to drop in drop in two points yesterday, I think you know, could, could go a long way in terms of any kind of potential title ambitions that we could have. Now it's still early days in the season. There's still a lot of football to be played. But I think it is a change in the mindset. 
even you look at like, yesterday, Bruno Fernandes was talking in his interview with MUTV yesterday. And he was talking about when he went into the dressing room and he walked in, he, he already overheard the players talking about kind of what they should have done, how upset they were about dropping the two points. And he said that you, you, you were starting to build a winning mentality. And I think for United, I think this is very important, especially under Solskjaer. I think if we start developing that siege mentality and that winning mentality in their dressing room, it can only benefit, benefit us going forward. And I think we, we do, I think going forward now, we've a lot, there's a lot of important football games to be played. We've Wolves now again this week, which will be in its own right a tough game. I know they're not having the best of seasons, but historically, the last two years, Wolves um, have always, has always provided tough opposition for us. I think this week would be no different. So I think, look, I think the current form since the Leipzig game has been, has been very good. Away from home, we've, we've been exceptional this year. But it's all about get, getting our bread and butter now and start picking up some results at home. And I think if we can, if we can do that and come up to this game on the 17th against Liverpool, they'll be under pressure as well. Because I think if, if there's anyone, I think, out of all the teams, as Dylan said, the best of the rest, I think we provide the biggest threat going forward of any team that Liverpool will be coming up against in the, on the 17th of January. I think if we can provide a bit of consistency before then, we could be having a very different conversation in three weeks' time. It's a big if, though, isn't it, Dylan? The consistency. It's a, it's a concern. We're two years in. The consistency is a huge concern. We're still searching for that. Yeah, Jimmy, but you can see, you know, you know we've all criticised Solskjaer and his coaching staff to some extent, but I've criticised them. I've been, I've been on Keane's platform. I've been, you know, me, and, me and Keane have gotten a couple of Barneys over, especially my comments on, on Solskjaer, uh, which I which I would probably be likely to, I'm changing my mind. Watching United at the minute for the first time in nearly 10 years, I'm actually watch. I'm enjoying watching them because it is the Jacqueline Hyde. I wrote a piece for yourself with Jacqueline Hyde and, and, De, and the excellent Dale O'Donnell with Straight News. They are Jacqueline Hyde. You don't know who you're going to get, but they're likeable. And except one certain player who we're not going to mention and his big man agent, I think if they can get rid of him, I think that would be pretty much the perfect squad. I think Solskjaer and the rest of the guys, the Mike Phelan and Ken and Carrick, I think we're two or three players away from challenging. I think at the minute we are where Liverpool were three years ago, actually, to this day, when they brought in big Virgil van Dijk. That's where we are now. We need a world-class centre-half to play again, play alongside Harry Maguire who is unfairly criticised. You know, I, I'm seeing videos of him slipping yesterday. You know, Jamie Vardy scored a scruffy goal yesterday. Bruno Fernandes tried to meg somebody on, on the halfway line and we got overturned. And, and the score, Harry Barnes scored a 25-yard screamer. He, him and Bruno Fernandes were the best players on the pitch yesterday. But where it's, it's, small, it's small breaks that are going against us that, you know, could see us climb up the table. We're missing a few pieces of the jigsaw. But I think United fans now are a, a lot more realistic. You know, we win three or four games in a row. Nobody's talking about ch- title challenges only the papers. You know, everybody's hated, adored, never ig- ignored. People are writing about Man United. It says tabloids. We, ne- you know, no United fan, even a dog in the street, doesn't know we're not going to win a title. But if we could challenge toward second or toward, win the FA Cup. If we got over City in the League Cup, I'd love that. And then we have a favourable team. We, if Brentford or Spurs in, in the final, it's definitely be a winnable game. So I think we should be definitely focusing on each game, the next game as possible. And I think if a centre-half is available in January or in the summer, I think we should be definitely trusting Solskjaer's judgment because his recruitment has been exceptional. 
So I think we are, we're only a few pieces of the puzzle away from getting that consistency. But I think now you can see Sushkar's consistency with his team selection. You know, Fred and McTominay there, in, he loves them as his two holding midfielders. Bruno picks himself. Uh, I personally think Martial is nowhere near it. I think Edison Cavani should be leading the line at the minute. I think Martial's not. I think his all-round game, I think his all-round play, his link-up play and is, is excellent, but I think he's very wasteful. Um, I think maybe either Cavani lead the line or maybe Mason uh, give Greenwood uh, a chance as a number nine. But I think besides that, the team picks for itself. And I think consistency will come. You mentioned Martial there. I have a really interesting listener's comment regarding Martial that I will move to shortly. I think United's attacking power, as you mentioned a moment ago, it, it's not in doubt. It can be electrifying at times. We know this. However, as you've said, it's at the other end of the pitch that there are still problems. They haven't been eradicated. I know it's rubs of the green, but it's basic errors at the same time. Bruno caught in possession yesterday. You know, he labours on the ball. Then the space that, that Barnes was afforded to shoot. We have to close him down quicker. There has to be more pressure, more urgency. What do you think, Keen? I think for me, it's all avoidable stuff. Yeah, it's, it's literally fine margins. The, the small schoolboy errors that are costing us points and this has been a recurring team in the last seven years. But look, fair enough, like I'm the biggest Bruno Fernandes fan on, on this planet. People see my social media and, and you, you can see that. But like I, I, him trying to not make the outside the 18 the yard box, that's simple. You don't do that you, at any level. You, you, you just don't do it. And I think the space that Scott McTominay afforded Harvey Barnes I think, as I said in the punditry yesterday, Scott McTominay was taking social distancing a bit too seriously yesterday. I think I'd agree with that, that the space that was, that was left there, he should have closed that space down a lot quicker. If he was even a yard a yard closer, does, does that go in? There's not, enough, there's not enough space to shoot at there. But again, you see the goals we're conceding, Jimmy. It's, it, it's, it's concerning. You, you talk about set pieces this year. And the lapse in concentration we're having in terms of the zonal marking. And you, you look at other goals and we're getting caught in the channels. And I think that's why Ollie's had to look at this. And I think this is where he's trying to adjust in the last couple of weeks, where he's playing a Fred and McTominay in, in, the, in them positions to try to avoid getting caught down the channels. I think that's also why he actually started in block right back and brought Boye back into the fold yesterday because of the likes of Harvey Barnes, the likes of Jamie Vardy, the likes of Iose Perez in there who can exploit space. Now, albeit, look, we conceded two goals, but other than that, you'd have to look at the setup yesterday. You nearly got to bang on, bang on the head only for two like, laps of, of concentration that ultimately cost us, the, cost us the, the two points that we dropped yesterday. I do agree. I think there's, there's a lot of these, these incidents that are happening that could ultimately cost us going forward if we want to be successful I think as, as Dylan said if we get a world class centre half in who's ultimately a leader who can organise the back four and kind of you know, bring everyone up to their level as well Van Dijk is done with Liverpool I think we, that could be the catalyst for success at United and the goalkeeper situation has to be rectified as well I think that's a, I think that's a major concern going forward um, I think too much has been you know De Gea and Henderson I think Henderson's got drips and drabs I know, I think it was a bit baffling when Sushkar started him against Sheffield United. I think that was the wrong game to hand him his Premier League debut. But De Gea's numbers this season is scary. United have conceded 23 goals in the league. It's the sixth worst, three clean sheets. Last season in the Premier League in 38 games, conceded 36 goals, 13 clean sheets. You know, we're going to pretty much, we're going to, at this rate, we're going to concede 60 upwards. Um, I think 
Solskjaer going forward, I think he needs to decide what he's going to do with two and Zibi and decide with Henderson. I, me personally, I would try and move De Gea on at the end of the season. He's been a United legend, been brilliant, but I think since the World Cup, he's been very erratic. I think if we could bed Henderson in, introduce two and Zibi alongside Maguire, um, and if Wan-Bissaka can improve his um, his offensive side of his game, because offensively he's excellent. And I think Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw's been our best player, bar Bruno Fernandes, for the last six or seven weeks since he came back from his hamstring injury. So I think defensively we need a world-class centre-half, but I think we do have a lot of the answers to our problems there in the squad if Solskjaer can, you know, call it as he should. You touched on De Gea there. I think you raised a good point. I do think Solskjaer is going to begin phasing out David De Gea. I can see that happening. I wouldn't be too critical of De Gea because he's saved us for 10 years now. But at this point, the mistakes he's making, it's hard to argue that it's a blip now, isn't it? Yeah, no, well, I don't know what you think, Keen, but I just feel like since that World Cup, since the, I don't think he'll ever recover from the, who did they take the hammering against? Was it Germany or who did he get bet? Spain got bet by 5-1 or Brazil. They got spanked in the World Cup. Portugal. Portugal. He yeah, made the mistakes yeah. against Portugal in the group yeah, stage. That's yeah, what it was. I, yeah, Ronaldo. I think Ronaldo scored two or three by him and a couple of them. I think. I just think that, and I think Emiliano Alvarez leaving, who was his close friend, his confidant under Mourinho. I think once once De Gea signed that new contract and, and Emilio Alvarez left, and Solskjaer brought in his own coaching staff, his goalkeeping coach to work alongside him. I just don't think De Gea's on three hundred twenty-five thousand pound a week or whatever you call it. He's the highest paid goalkeeper in the world. He's, he's the highest paid player in the Premier League. His performances are not reflective of that. I think he's a brilliant shot, shot stopper, but I think the way the game has gone, he doesn't have enough tools uh, tools in his, in, in his chest. I think the new modern, I think the way football has evolved, you know, Alisson, uh, Jan Oblak, Dean Henderson is very much of that new mould. Dean Henderson, when Dean Henderson starts, I have confidence He's vocal, he's roaring, he's commanding, he, he commands his box, he's off his line, he's big, he's strong. De Gea is that, but not to that extent. So I think if Dean I think Dean Henderson has everything to be the Man United goalkeeper for the next 15 years. And it's the fact that he's come through the club, so he knows what it means. And you've heard him in interviews, he loves the club. It's like Rashford, it's like Scott McTominay. If we have that up the spine of the team, like that's what we want to build. So I think if they could get, you know, I think a realistic transfer fee for the head is probably twenty to thirty million, because I don't, I can't see anyone paying his wages. So we'd have to take a pay cut, and that goes back to Matt Judge and Ed Woodward, where they're excellent negotiating deals. I think the head, I think the head, I think United are going to have to probably put him on the bench because I, I don't think anybody would, would take him on them wages he's an excellent goalkeeper he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world but on those wages nobody would touch him but I think Dean Henderson should be the number one next season going forward I think at some point in the near future United have a really big decision to make regarding De Gea and the goalkeeping situation Keane I'm going to come to you what are your thoughts on that the De Gea Henderson debate I think like look this is a debate we all had at the start of the season and it's becoming more prevalent as kind of the weeks comes on both goalkeepers are showing their qualities in, in games but again Dav De Gea's confidence has been shot since the 2018 World Cup and, and you, you've seen since then he's been prone to mistake after mistake. Dean Henderson did come into the team as well in the Sheffield United game. Probably not the most ideal game to bring him back into the fold, you know, when he's come up against a team that he was with for two years and they kind of know kind of where his weak spots were. I thought that part from Solskjaer, I thought that was 
probably not the best decision to make, but you know, he did redeem himself with a save later on in the game after the mistake. So I think that's something you could look at. But I think, yeah, you're right, Jimmy. Solskjaer and United alone have a very big decision to make with the goalkeeping situation. The only thing I disagree with Dylan is that putting De Gea on the bench could provide a big problem. When you have a player who's earned, as you said, 325 to 350,000 pounds a week, you've a very expensive mistake, you have a very expensive problem on the bench. United had that with Alexis Sanchez and, and it caused and, and, and they currently have it with Paul Pogba. Absolutely, yeah. And they have it with Paul Pogba too. And I think the last thing we need is to be causing dressing room unrest when you when you when you consider the the I suppose the the unity we have at the moment. You can see the players are playing for Solskjaer at the minute. You know, you can see in, in games where we've gone behind historically in the last seven years, the players were down tables and they they throw the towel in. But you see this team now. As we said, we've all agreed it. it's the most likely Manchester United team poster Alex Ferguson. You, you look at this team now, we need to keep this team spirit and this, and this unity that we have as a club and as a fan base. I think long term, well, not even short term, um, you, you have to look at the summer. And I would agree, Dylan, you probably would have to look at moving De Gea on. Yeah. Um, I think his wages could be a stumbling block in terms of moving them on, especially with the pandemic. You, you look at the, the club situations, our clubs can be willing to fork out that much money. I don't think so. You could take into consideration transfer fees, the inflation in the market's not going to be there as it would have been in previous years. So you, you do have to look at this and it's going to be tough. But I think sooner rather than later, Manchester United are going to have a very big decision to make. And as you both said, we have a goalkeeper there, Dean Henderson, who is an England international and who is someone who's gonna, who could be our goalkeeper for 10 to 15 years. I think we come this summer, we'd throw our, our eggs in that basket with Dean he's, Henderson. He's, he's the best English goalkeeper. In my opinion, anyway, I think he, I think with a bit more experience, I think he is, he's going to be. He reminds me of Joe Hart in in a lot of things. Let's hope his career goes a lot better than Joe Hart's has recently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but no, but early on, you know, he has that. He ha, he has, you know, as Bruno Fernandez says, he has, you know, he's got big balls. You know, he he just looks like a Man United player. You know, Scott McTominay and Rashford. You know, these guys that carry themselves like that, irrespective of age. He just he, he just strikes you as a character that you'd like to play play with, and I think De Gea. I think you made a good point there, Keen, about De Gea sitting on the bench. But this is something that where I have to praise Solskjaer. I know I'm praising Solskjaer a lot tonight. I think the two of you might think I've had a couple of too many whiskeys over Christmas. But Solskjaer, if De Gea is sitting on the bench on those wages, I don't think we have the characters in the squad anymore to cause stress room unrest, and that has to do with Mr. Solskjaer getting rid of all the bad apples. But I think if we face the head out that way out, maybe he will look for a move because you know I think he's got I think he, I think he's got probably another ten good years with him. And I would like to see him you know go home to Fr- go home to Spain or, or maybe potentially go to, to France or, or go somewhere else because he's been a United legend. You know he's been with the club and we haven't been you know we've been we've been useless for the last seven years, bar a few trophies and, and things. So he's been a brilliant servant to the club and I would like to see him move on at the right time because I don't want it to sour because he's always been respectful he's never talked out you know what I mean he, he's handled things the way Paul Pogba should have so I'd like to see him get the right move for himself at the right time but I think the time's going to come pretty soon I think he's going to make a high profile error and I don't think he'll get back into the team this season Hi this is Ken Hardy and you're listening to Red Devil Talk the podcast with Jimmy Williams both mentioned something there and I want to develop it. You've both used the word likeable about this United team and it reminds me of something I said in this podcast about a month ago 
that to remove Solskjaer as United manager at this time would be very dangerous because the team is playing for him. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, they're making mistakes. There's going to be bumps along the road. But when you compare it to some of the, some of the performances we witnessed under Jose Mourinho, I think of the capitulation in 2018 at Goodison Park against Everton. There was games under Mourinho against West Ham. The players down tools. They give up. This United team is very likable, as you guys have both correctly stated. And for the first time in a long time, I look at them. I look at a team of players I can identify with who are actually, they're busting their balls. They're, they're running back. They're doing the basics. I think to, to sack Solskjaer now, as some people are suggesting on social media, would undo so much good work. Yeah, it really would. I think for me, like you look at what Ollie's done in, in the last you know, 12 to 18 months, there's really been like a culture change in the dressing room. Because you look at, in terms of Jose Mourinho, like in the last kind of five to six months of his tenure, the dressing room really soured. You've seen players weren't playing for him. He wasn't playing certain players to fill his own agenda. You know, um, you, you look at this and you, you, the minute Oli came in, yes, we had that first positive three months. We knocked PSG out in Champions League. As a fan base, we felt like we had our club back. Then obviously, look, results went went down south after he got the job. And then you, you look after that then. We were inconsistent. And then the arrival of Bruno Fernandes came in. And, and since then, like Manchester United, since Bruno's come in, have been up there with Liverpool as the best team in England. Like you have to look at like, statistically, that's what we are at the moment. You, know, you, you can talk about the inconsistencies in, in certain results in certain games. But you look at statistically since you know, Bruno Fernandes coming to the club since last January, Manchester United have been up there with the best teams in, in, in England at the moment. I think the sack Ali now would be absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think look, a load of Man United fans, including myself, at points, we're on the Maurizio Pochettino bandwagon. But he's gone to PSG now. That ship has sailed. You, you look at this. This Oli's doing a great job at the moment. Since since Leipzig, I think he's really turned it around. You can see the players are busting a gut for him. They're, they're, playing, they're playing for the manager. And unlike previous managers, we didn't see this under Moyes. We didn't see this under Van Hal. We didn't see this under Mourinho. The team is likeable. But also the team are playing for the manager. And I think that's the most important thing. In all the managers post Sir Alex, we never really see a team play for the manager and play for the shirt what this team is I think like if we like, if there's a situation where after Christmas this vaccine develops and fans can get back to the stadium I think we could have a good proper good good feeling at the club and we can fully get behind the team and let, let's drive on and let, let's be more successful I think this rebuilding process we're starting to see United take a new direction we're trying to go away from this Galactico kind of mentality we had the last seven years and you can see we're bringing in young players. So for Kudo Palestri, we're going Ahmed Diallo. We're looking in for Casado as well. That looks like it's more or less nearly done as well. Look at the direction we're taking now. We seem to want to be going to, to go on a kind of more of a development route. And we want to go back to the way things were when Sir Alex is at the helm. And I think that's something people always say you might be too fixated on the past. But we, we were successful for that many years. So in that respect, I think for us, this is massively important. We get behind the manager and as a fan base, we're all united. We're uni united by name, but also united by nature. Just going to read some more viewers' questions. Sorry, comments. Carl says we can't defend as a unit. Joseph says bad decision to put Lindelof right back. Poor defending for the two goals. Matt says we have to find the consistency in defence. Dylan, do you think United are going to look to sign a defensive player in the January window, especially now that we're hearing Lindelof's injury might be a bad one? I 
can't see it happening to be honest with you. Um, I think Eaton Large should be introduced um, pretty soon. He's tearing it up for under twenty threes. He's an excellent prospect. It just quite you know I'm Keane said a few brilliant points there about Solskjaer and how much he's changed. You said Keane from the Leipzig game, but even if you go back further than that, the thing that you've alluded to, Jimmy, is that it's inconsistencies, but we're imp- we will know that we are we have made significant progress since Mourinho. You know, the club's changed direction. We're going forward. They're going to appoint the director of football in January. That's pretty much going to be done according to multiple sources. It's looking like Paul Mitchell, who worked with the RB group, he's responsible for getting uh, Erling Haaland to Salzburg, who you know who's now a goal machine for eating up Bundesliga for Borussia Dortmund. If you get Paul Mitchell in, or if you get Luis Oscampos from Lille to work alongside Solskjaer and identifying young talent like uh, Concedo from South America, look at Palestri, look at Ahmed Diallo. These players are coming and they're introducing. But I think that, that it's important for Solskjaer now to learn from his mistakes. People have said from the start that he's learning on the job because this is his first top job in world football. You know, Cardiff, he failed at Cardiff because he, he went into a burning house. He was there in January and he couldn't save them, even though he tried to he tried his best. You know, that he was out of his depth in that job. He can't be judged on that. And I, as well as Keane and probably you, Jimmy, we have all unfairly judged him. You know, we've all went on Twitter when we've been rushed off after our drubbing. You know, we, we're we're after winning four or five games on the row and we play a winnable game at home against the newly promoted side and we lose. We don't show up. And we're all Solskjaer needs to go. Let's bring in Mauricio Pochettino. But I think this is changing. I think this has changed since the since the Leipzig game, as Keane has said. I think it's a different feel to it now. I think United fans actually have put the handbrake on and they've sort of realised, you know, Pochettino going to PSG is probably the best thing that could have happened to Solskjaer. And with a director of football coming in, and with how bad the Premier League has got, standard-wise, in terms of erratic performances and the fans being out, and some of the games just being like training sessions, I think if United, I think the biggest signing United could make this this, uh, January window is, I think Solskjaer should potentially look at bringing in a defensive coach, or have Mike Phelan involved more, because Mike Phelan doesn't have much of an input on the training ground. He's more in the back. But I think they need to look at stuff defensively-wise. I think they need to promote prospects like uh, Eaton, Eaton Lard. I think he should be integrated. I think potentially Diogo Dallo should come back um, to provide some cover because for some reason Solskjaer doesn't fancy him. But he would have been a better option yesterday than Lindelof. And Tuinzebi needs to start. And they need to stop basic stuff. They need to stop Sonal Marking from corners. You know, that was brought in in 2017 by a couple of these German Gen-Gen pressing maestros. It doesn't work in the Premier League because you've got six foot three, six foot four centre half that want to eat you. And if they have a run on you, they're going to score. And De Gea is a vampire. He's afraid of crosses. He sits on his line on a deck chair. So we're going to concede. We've conceded six goals from set pieces this season. You know what I mean? We concede too many goals from basic fundamental defensive errors. And that is on Solskjaer. But he's learning weekly match by match. So if these mistakes don't get addressed in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months by basic coaching, then we know that Solskjaer isn't up to that part of the job. So he needs to hire somebody or bring in better players to alleviate that from the team. I think you had some great points there. 
I think for me, when I refer to the inconsistencies, it's the unforced errors. It's the starting slowly. It's giving early goals away. We're giving teams head starts. We can't keep doing that. If we want to be serious about turning into a team that can win the Premier League, we cannot keep doing that. I also agree with you, Dylan, that I don't expect United to bring in players in the transfer window. However, I believe that if the right player becomes available, I think United will do that. I think they will get it done. I think they're moving away from throwing money at it. I know yeah. they're. I know at the club now they're big into profiling players. They look at their character. I think gone are the days of throwing money at the problem. Who would you see, Keane and yourself? Who would you see as an ideal? You know, who's a ready-made player that you can get? You know, I, I you might think I'm mental by saying this, but I bring somebody in off the ilk of Ben White or somebody like that. Somebody who's young, English, aggressive. You know what I mean? I I I have no problem with international players for playing for United. I, you know, I couldn't care if they're from Sudan or Brazil or Cavan, but having an English back four and an English keeper, all you know, all local to some extent. Back when we had Pallister and Bruce, uh, Dennis Irwin, you know, our our own United legend like Roy Keane. But I think if we brought in Ben White, and played him and Tu and Zibi alongside Maguire. Because I think I think Harry Maguire is unfairly judged. You know, I seen the video going around with the sh- with the music of him making all the mistakes. We all make mistakes doing anything. Professional footballers are going to make mistakes, but Maguire is overcompensating for a poor back four. And that's why he's getting caught out because him and Lindelof can't play beside each other. And Solskjaer is pressing with that. They can't play beside each other. That's why he's playing McTominay and Fred, as King said earlier on, to compensate for that. And they can't play with Matic either because Matic can't get around the field as easy. So he has to sit deeper. So the team becomes deeper. So that puts more pressure on the hay because we're defending closer to the goal line. I think we need to bring in somebody who's young, who's English. Predominant. I, I, I'd be in favour of bringing in an English player and somebody who's left-sided because that's the way the game's gone. And Solskjaer has an obsession with playing out from the back, even though I'd be in favour of not doing that. Keane, Dylan has raised a number of points there. He says that Lindelof and Maguire can't play together. Do you think to get the best out of Maguire, we need to bring in another player? Or do you think we already have that player at the club? I think at the club, you have two, there's two centre-backs who could play alongside him. You have Bailly and you have Tunzebi. Both very injury-prone, though. That's the only problem. If they were, if The problem is actually like staring right in the face. Like We have the two centre-backs there who can play alongside him but they can't stay fit, and that, that's, that's a very, very big problem. If you're looking elsewhere, I think you're, you're talking about a centre-back with pace, with power. You look at Dyer Upamecano from Leipzig, he would be the ideal. He's young, and he's French, good pedigree, comes from a good club under Leipzig, under a very good coach, under Julian Nagelsmann, who was, who was, who was, who was after developing Upamecano into one of the top centre-halves in, in, in European football at the moment. I think Ben White, as uh, Dylan mentioned, is another very good centre-half, though, top, top player. Developed really well at Leeds, and he, though he showed he's shown a Brighton this year as well that he's um he's, he's playing very well too. Um, though there was another left side of centre back out there, um, Paul Torres, um, for Villarreal, um, he's playing he's he's a very good player. We were, we were linked with him in in the summer, um, left left footed player as well, and um, he would have been someone I, I was looking at in the summer who I said look who can address that left side centre back situation. And um, Gabriel, who Arsenal actually brought in, was someone who United were also linked with. Now look, he's he's done reasonably okay. He's not a like left side centre back we were looking at, um, but look, there is plenty of centre backs out there um, who can come in and do a job. But look again, if if Axel Tu and Sevi can stay fit, lads, we have a centre half there for 10, 10 years. And Mengi as well. Yeah, Ten and Mengi as well is another person who can definitely 
who can definitely develop. I think he's still young. I think he still needs another year or two in the 23s before we can maybe promote him to be our, our top, top um, centre-half. But I think with Axel too and Zebi, you have someone there who has all the credentials to be Manchester United's number one centre-half. Not even so much as a, a partner for Maguire, but someone who can be our number one centre-back. I think if, we, if, we, if he can stay fit, we, we have a future Manchester United captain on our hands. I think, I think this is a big six months for Tuan Zebi because Tuan Zebi, you know, I think he's getting the same treatment as Jesse Lingard. You know, Jesse Lingard would be a young man, a young fella or a young prospect when he's 85 on a Zimmer frame, probably dabbing. Tuan Zebi's 24 and he's played less than 100 competitive, you know, competitive fixtures. That's been down to, you know, getting injured. He got, you know, he got, he was unlucky with a number of injuries. He's got a bad right quad. But I agree with Keane, he's, you know, them defenders don't come through very often. He just looks, he just looks like somebody that you wouldn't like to go in for a header against. But I think Solskjaer doesn't fancy him and Maguire together for some reason. And Baye, <laughs> we're not even going to start on that man. Out of context, Eric Baye, he's a world beater to animator. He is just, he's unbelievable one minute and he's Sunday league the next. He, he for talent wise he's exceptional but you know you can't trust him i wouldn't i wouldn't trust him with a jersey let alone being you know especially beside mcguire i i might play i might play eric by if you were playing with a back seven or a back eight but there's other defenders to, to to help him but you know that's what we were doing you know we, we were all excited when he came back from injury um and he played well in the league cup and then he started that spores game which i don't ever want to talk about again you know he was at fault for a lot of those goals, but I think Bailly will be moved on, and I think he could be used in leverage for that deal for Pau Torres to return to Villarreal, which would be an excellent play, because Pau Torres is many red for English football, because he's a big boy and he can play. Let's chat about Bruno Fernandes. I see Keane's face lighting up already. A goal assist yesterday, in one of his more quieter games, it has to be said, that's now 18 goals and 13 assists. In 28 Premier League games, he's been directly involved in 52% of United's Premier League goals since his arrival. Keane, is there a more productive player around at the minute? Absolutely not. He's the best, at this moment in time, as it stands, he's the best midfielder in world football at the moment. You look at his production, even in games, as you mentioned, as there, Jimmy, where he's not having his best game, he still manages to pull off a goal and assist in, in, a, in a game. People could say they talk about penalties at Bruno Fernandes. That is absolute false propaganda at the moment. He's scoring from open play most of his goals at the moment. He's, his overall impact on Manchester United, not even in terms of his production, not even in terms of his goal scoring, not even in terms of the assists, any of that. His overall leadership at Man United has been not short of exceptional since he's come to the club. And he seems to be dragging players up to his level. Like that £47 million that we paid for him looks like an absolute steal from Sporting Lisbon at the moment. And for him to be this consistent from January up until now is not short of exceptional. And you, you have to look at it. He's, he's doing all the things we wanted Paul Pogba to do in the last five or six years in terms of getting these goals, getting these assists and being the overall leader in Manchester United's team. I think he's, he's shown... The level of consistency that Pogba should be should be shown a player his quality of being a World Cup winner. And he's only had one said, haircut. Yeah, apart from the haircut, but you look at in terms of production, you, you look in terms of, of production, there's no, there's not many more productive players in world football at this moment in time than Bruno Fernandes. 
Dylan, can you think of a signing in modern times who has transformed the club so quickly? For me, I think of Cantona. You know, I guess prior to Bruno's arrival, we were really struggling to break teams down. Can you think yeah, no. of anyone else who has made such an impact? No, for me, for me, he's the best player in the world at the minute. Not midfielder, he's the best player in the world. Uh, That's a big statement. No, he is the best. On form, he's the best player in the world. There's nobody really like Messi's not really lighting it up. Ronaldo's scoring a bag full of goals, but predominantly from set pieces, a lot of penalties. Um, him, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, they're on the same level. And I'm just worried about when the world goes back to normal, if it ever will, who's going to take him? Because he's not going to sit around. And, you know, all his cultural reboot would not be happening if Bruno Fernandes was not at the club because Sushka would have been sacked only for Bruno Fernandes. Keen, Bruno's not going to hang around if we're not challenging for top trophies, is he? No, and that's the thing. I think I, I, I highlighted this on, a, on my own show a couple of weeks ago. We need to be winning trophies and we need to be challenging for trophies. We need to be in the Champions League. We need to be doing all that Bruno to stay because he's a player who has an elite mentality and players who have elite mentality want to be in the elite competitions and winning them elite competitions. So, Man United need to look at that. Look at the quality we have in our hands and think about how lucky we are to have a player of that, of that, of that caliber at the club. We need to you know to build a team around Bruno Fernandes. We need to go ahead and we need to be successful. I want to chat about my new man crush, Cavani. This comment comes in from Serena McLeod. Shout out to Serena. She's doing great things with a sports psychology consultancy called Optimize Potential. Check them out. They're an excellent team doing excellent things. Serena says Cavani needs to start. Pundits are saying that age is the reason why he was on the bench today, but he takes his fitness more seriously than anyone. I think for me, all of a sudden, this Cavani free transfer that I have to say I had my reservations about now looks like a great piece of business. He was the difference against Everton midweek. However, he still only started one Premier League game. The away victory at West Ham. Now for me, his impact off the bench yesterday shows, at least in my view anyway, that he must be United's first choice. He made an impact straight away after his introduction, the assist for Bruno. I think he has to start for United. There's no question about it for me. He's our best number nine. In terms of the other forwards that we have at our club, he's different class. His movements, his strength. Keen, do you agree with Serena? If United are to succeed this season, should Cavani be one of Ali's go-to players? Absolutely. I think, look, I, I, along with you, Jimmy, I had reservations about Cavani signing. I thought it was a panic boy when, when we got him at the time because there was the whole Jaden Sancho debacle um, during the summer. Um, that was but, a lucky escape. Yeah, but like, you get Edison Cavani in on a free transfer and his impact he's, also, he's having in terms of experience of a number nine is almost Robin Van Persie-esque in terms of how he's taking his chances in terms of you know, his overall experience up front. And as Serena said, I think he should be our go-to man. Like, he's, he's a sharpshooter up front. He really is. And you look at them chances we missed yesterday. The Edison Cavani's on the pitch. We, we, we collect all three points. And that's a comfortable win for Manchester United. And we're two points behind Liverpool right now, if, if that's the case. Do you know what I mean? I think he should be 100% our number nine. Anthony Martial is, is a good player. But Edison Cavani, if I want to be serious about challenging... If he's our number nine, we score a lot of goals and goals win games. Dylan, Paul Scholes suggested yesterday that Cavani is merely a bench option. Keane just said there that if, you, if Cavani started that game, United would have won. Do you agree? Do you think Oli got it wrong? 
Should he have started, or do you think he has to make do with a bit part role from the bench? I don't think. Uh, I think I agree with Keane there um, with Cavani starting. I think Cavani should definitely be starting, um, but I don't think that's the role that he was brought to the club for. Um, and I think Solskjaer is definitely. I think that's where Solskjaer needs to learn um, with his handling of players like that. I think. I I, I just. I think such. I think I think Cavani could have should have started yesterday, and he would have scored some of them chances. You know, mind you, Rashford was excellent yesterday, and that was a brilliant save by Michael. But Martial's all-round game has improved under Solskjaer, but he still is. You know, he was extremely poor last week against Leeds. He should have scored two or three goals against Leeds. You know, my grandmother would have scored a couple of those chances. Uh, Cavani's a poacher. He will score, but I think that Mason Mason Greenwood. I think. He's been overlooked there by a lot of people. Mason Greenwood needs to lead the line. Uh, Cavani and him should be alternating. And if Cavani was playing yesterday, if Mason Greenwood was playing yesterday and he had those chances, he would have scored. So I think Cavani and Mason Greenwood should be playing, leading the line, and I would play Rashford on the left or the right, and I would play Martial on the left or the right. I think Dan James should be nowhere near that team. If you compare Cavani's contribution in comparison to Anthony Martial, who has made nine Premier League starts with one goal. Another comment from Serena. She said, Martial, so poor again. When he's on it, he's on it. But when he's not, he gives up and has a sour attitude. If you're consistently showing your opponents you're annoyed, they're going to use that to their advantage and it could also have a negative impact on teammates. Keen, what are your thoughts on that comment? Yeah, like I think when, when you see, when you have a teammate that has, so you see his body language, that like he's not at it and... He shows that he's not really bothered. That can have, like I play football myself, that can have an adverse effect on your overall game, your overall team. You can almost be dragged down to that that player's level and that player's confidence almost. I think I think Martial, as, as Serena Luta, when when he's on it, he's unplayable. Like team teams can't can't deal with him. But when he's having the bad game and when he's not at his best, you can see it. There's no production level from him. Whereas with Edison Cavani, you've seen in the Everton game. He didn't do much. Overall, he, he wasn't great. But when he got that half chance, he took that half chance and he put that away. There, we talked about fine margins when we alluded to the Leicester game. There are them fine margins in football. I think with, with this, Edison Cavani definitely has to start. And I think in terms of the overall attitude, it can definitely have an effect on the team. Most definitely. Uh, Dylan Keane says there, when he's on it, he's unplayable. For me... That doesn't happen regularly enough. He's so frustrating. He can be great and look so disinterested in the same game. He's too inconsistent for me. I think he's one good game. Then he's 10 shocking games. And as Keane says, in the games when he's not on it, he doesn't contribute much. He's not really in the game. He wasn't in the game at all yesterday. I think in games against deep defences, when there's little chance to dribble, he doesn't offer much. His movement, it can be excellent at times. It can also be really predictable. I think after five years, he has to do more for me. Yeah, Anthony Martial, he's off the same milk as Pogba. Um, I think that I think that's I think that's quite fair. But I think after lockdown, I think he was the best player in the league. Um, Project Restart. I think he was the best player in the league over over them nine or ten or eleven games. Uh, he lit up the Premier League. I think he scored it was like eight or nine goals. I, that's the thing with Martial and Pogba and a couple of them players. You don't know what you're going to get. I think Solskjaer's done well with him. Um, 
think Solskjaer's made him more of a poacher. He's better in and around the box. Um, but we've not seen that this season. And to be honest with you, we've not seen that. Rashford has been quite poor in the league as well. And so has Greenwood. Their statistics don't show that, but we have. And we haven't really played free-flowing attacking football at all in the league, bar the away games, which has mostly been through Bruno. But I would love to see Bruno behind Martial, Rashford and Greenwood, because I think that's our best lineup going forward. And I think Cavani is, no, Cavani's done it for years. And I think it's not a swan song for him. And we have been born by Sanchez and Falcao, so we were obviously going to be a little bit touchy about him joining. And he is definitely an option. He should start games. But Martial needs to have players around him that vibe off him and that are used to his, play, his patterns of play. And Rashford and him and Bruner are usually on the same wavelength. And I think, I think Martial playing as a, lead, as, a, as a sole striker with Dan James in behind him, you know, who's collected 10 crisp packets to play for Man United, that, does, no, that doesn't help. I think he needs, he needs players that are technically on the same wavelength as him for him to be on his game. You know, some games he's not interested. But would you be interested if you were leading the line and you had Dan James you know, dribbling out into the corner flag and not beating the first man? Or if you had Mason Greenwood or Rashford playing a little intricate one-two with you and then Bruno, you know, Bruno Fernandes. Martial would have scored that header yesterday. Martial would have scored that header the, four, the, the one Rashford missed in the fourth minute. Martial would have scored that. Martial's a better finisher than Rashford. Gents, thank you for your time. I want to conclude by raising a debate that I saw on Twitter earlier. I think it's really interesting. Is Die Hard a Christmas film? Dylan, I'm going to come to you first. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Keen? Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, knock at home, you palace, you know yourself. Uh, you know, the, the shout out to all the victims in, in Die Hard that, that, that 23 years ago. Um, 100% Christmas film. For me, not a Christmas film, but I've, ah, Jimmy. I've outvoted. We live in a democracy, so there you have it. Die Hard is a Christmas film. Guys, thanks for your time. Cheers, Jimmy. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Red Devil Talk. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Red Devil Talk. If you listen on an Apple device, please consider leaving a review and a five-star rating. If you have any questions or comments or want more information on Red Devil Talk podcasts, you can get in touch via email at reddevilTalkMedia at gmail.com. The Red Devil Talk podcasts are a Red Devil Talk Media production.